Yeah, yeah, you're back with your boy Silkman, El Doso, Leone, Squire, Air Silky, your silkiness, the Macho Man, Silky Savage, Nature Boy, Silk Flair, Big Silk Dog in the building with my compadre as always. This your boy Louis Newton, the People's Champ, the resident RZA of the podcast. You, you know all the rest. Yeah, yeah. So, Anthropophagy been on a bit of a hiatus. Season 2 coming very soon to your head tops in 22. But in the meantime, check out these Atlanta Season 2 recaps. All right. Welcome back, folks. You are here with Anthropophagy. And we just watched the first episode of Atlanta second season. And as expected, it was fire. And we're going to get all into our thoughts. We're going to dig deep as we do it, Anthropophagy. Everything. So we mining the culture. We're going to give you our thoughts and just like, just chew it up. Cause like it, it was so much there. It, it was so much like, and it, 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 Go ahead, bro. Take off. Take Chew it up like these silky gummy bears I got over here. But yeah, man. It was it was an ill episode. They 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 definitely stepped it up a notch with the surrealism with the initial with the initial scene. I feel like it paralleled the first uh episode of uh last season when they got into that they fight. And yeah, uh, yeah, when they got to that fight with the parking lot, but it was okay. just violence was alluded to. Now you saw right. violence in full scale. You saw, you know, misinformation. You saw all of these bullets in the back of that fucking car. But when you look at that car, there's not a spot or blemish. The girl gets out, but she's crying as if she got hit with a fucking baseball or something. You know what I'm saying? Not that she, not that somebody just lit her up with a fucking AR-15. And if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the first scene of Atlanta. All right, so yeah, what we're talking about is the first scene where there's it's devoid of any uh, Atlanta characters. It's two young men. Um, I don't even really remember their names. Just like two. I don't even know if they said them. <laughs> right. And what I, what I saw in there that I have a you know I have a few misgivings about is that I feel like they decriminal they, they criminalized a, a few things and put stigma around a couple of things like FIFA soccer you know what I'm saying they put stigma around mm-hmm. that shit mm-hmm. niggas playing playing FIFA soccer and then this shit happens uh, they put stigma around even making you know criminality around uh, homosexual men because initially. The dude at the at the at the uh, fast food oh. gay, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. sweet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, next thing you know, this nigga pulling out the motherfucking chopper on there. So, yeah, he wasn't for no guy, but he did let the niggas run in there and take his shit. <laughs> I mean, that was the initial reaction, though. You know. <laughs> yeah. What would you think? All right, so me, like, I'm going to just touch on what you were saying. Like, I got the complete opposite feeling from it. Like, this, it wasn't no Salvador Dali type shit. Like, it, it, it was more, it was more the wire than fucking Andy Kaufman for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, 
you get these classic archetypes, the thugs who run in a business and rob it, mm-hmm. the gay dude who works at that business. You get those two classic archetypes, and it's already a set, a set of. Uh, Characteristic that you, uh, yeah, it's a set assumption characteristic yeah, that you attribute to him. So just, just on face value, if you saw just a screenshot of him coming through that window, you're not gonna think he was just sitting in his boy career playing FIFA, talking to his boy about how he sucks at FIFA. That's not the picture you would get. Or if right. you took just the uh, when the gay dude was talking to his coworker, like, uh, yeah, we gonna need whatever. The assumption wouldn't be that he's moving way out that bitch. Right. Not only is he moving way out that bitch, he's got a chopper in that bitch just <laughs> for this situation. <laughs> they said, oh, way out this bitch. Got a chopper in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they went that bitch and they, they, they pulled a brick out that bitch, bro. Like, he had a whole brick in that bitch. There were bricks, but, I believe. So, uh, yeah. So, like, they they breaking down those assumptions, and yeah. they're peeling they're peeling that onion back, giving you a deeper understanding that no, they're not saying people who play FIFA are criminals. They're saying people who do criminal shit are just normal fucking people. Right. Yeah. The, the dude, the dude who working, you see, working at fast food. Yeah, he do that. But the dude who's selling that fucking weed and them apes and that blow, he works in fucking checkers. He's he's not a fucking murderous fucking kingpin who's in who always wears a hoodie and a killer nigga for stepping on me. He works in checkers. Right. It's just regular people, and he he let he's shooting it, and I don't give a fuck. He let fifty bullets go. I'm looking at where he's shooting. He shot that motherfucker at least 13 times. <laughs> like, yeah, that dude was out of there hopping over the counter. That's what I'm saying. The surrealism game in the play of, like, all of that shit. What was that fucking uh, BB guns, man? Shit. Right, yeah, yeah. I get you. I, I get you on that. And then the girl came but, out of I, Yeah, I don't. And I was praising how well it was shot. Cause in the moment it felt, but when you watch something, you shouldn't have questions like, "Where the fuck did she come from?" or "Where is that other guy at?" When he's the, like that, that stuff is that that's that's directing. That that's what the director is supposed to bring to the table. Like you're supposed to know where everybody is, what who's shooting and who, where the bullets are coming from. And it was just a fucking female at the end of the scene that you like. What? <laughs> like, did they, I, I assumed they carjacked her. I, I watched it twice, and I forgot to look for it the second time. So I'm like, okay, like, he jumped in. Then he might have came behind him because I saw a bullet come. When he was shooting from through the front glass, a bullet came from behind him and went through the front glass. So I'm like, okay, a man got out, and he must have came in behind him. But then they got in the car, so I'm like, okay, they must have just carjacked somebody. But you said no. It, you watched it the second time and were looking car. specific. Yeah, yeah it was the same car. car. So she must have already been like, already what? Him. Yeah, she was already with him. My whole thing is, how do you shoot up a car that much and it's like nothing? It's without spot or blemish. So that's what I'm saying. 
it was surrealism, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, you, I guess you could fill the trunk up with sandbags and lay down. I doubt that was the case. <laughs> the trunk had the trunk with sandbags and wide out. What do you mean? All right. Uh, a bullet is gonna go through the glass, the back windshield, like no protection there. But you got protection in the trunk. If it's something in the trunk that's gonna stop a bullet, the engine block could stop anything coming from the front. Like, so if you lay down in the front seat of your car and somebody's shooting that bitch up with a chopper, you are probably good because the engine block is covered. Like, it's the difference between cover and concealment. Like, you see all in the movies how the police open the door and they'd be bending down behind the door. That's not cover, that's concealment. If he shoots that door, you're gonna die. <laughs> but you get behind that engine block, that's cover it's not going through there so if you put something in the front the engine just the engine i'm saying where's the engine block in the the engine block is the engine that's what i'm saying no i'm saying like where do you get behind like you're talking about in the front seat yeah like if you just lay flat down in the front seat you kind of you're behind the engine so like you you pretty straight you can't drive like that but if somebody just lighting your shit up you, you chances are you'll be all right but, like, the trunk, if you put something that uh, slow the bullets down, at least, but they playing that shit like, hey, you know they be selling, hey, let's go out there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know about that. So I thought they were just going to buy it. Buy some. Oh, but that brings me to, like, it not really brings me, but they was playing the take change. I did the, uh, what, 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 what's the name of that shit? Uh, race. Yeah, I did the race. Tried to read the case. You know, that, that's, that's my shit. That, it's trash, it's garbage music. I'm not with that young nigga can't rap, but making hits type shit. But I like that song. I can't even lie. Okay. But so, then, go ahead, go ahead. So, you know, one of the things that I think, uh, Amongst many, obviously, that Atlanta does extremely well is the the choice of music to to help tell the story, yeah, you know, and and give you the vibe of, of of scenes. I mean, I could go all the way back to season one, starting with the first fucking song, No Hook, you know, and you know, Juice, you know, OJ the Juice Man, yeah. but even in this sense, it's talking about. You know that song, Take Care. Seventeen-year-old kid, you know, he rapping on SoundCloud. He's got a group. They start to blow up a little bit. He gets into he gets into some trouble. Just be, you know, being on some some clockwork orange shit, basically. Niggas just be on some. They just on. Hey, see how much trouble I can get in, type shit. I guess. Out of the nigga story for real, for real. But the point is, it's telling it, it. That song speaks to youth. Just I don't give a fuck attitude. I'm gonna get whatever. Right, wait, wait. Let me jump in real quick because we leaving the well, you leaving the important part out about that song. Like he made that song. Like he had a fucking murder charge. Yeah, and it wasn't going his way, so he just dipped the fuck off. Like fuck that. He made that song. The race about being on the run while he was on the run. That's why that shit went viral, man. Like he, he really was living that shit while he made that song, and of course he got caught. But like right. th- that, that brief little moment, song. yeah, 
that like it, it's that that energy. Like he captured that energy, like on some Eminem shit, like on that palms of sweaty knees. We all, but it's how he captured that moment. He captured that moment, and like he he getting all this. Nah, I was gonna say he getting all the success he deserves, but that nigga's probably in jail right now. <laughs> hey, and to that point, the song, if you ever listen to the song closely, so it starts. I'm to TK, and I'm thinking what the action. Look at action, look at down with some tracks. He's coming all hype. But then on the end of it, start it. The song ends real sad and shit like that. <laughs> I ain't <laughs> <laughs> He knew he was going to say <laughs> That shit ends sad as hell, man. That shit is so sad. You got to listen to that shit, man. Shit saw, started off hype as hell, man, at the end, man. Like, wah, wah. <laughs> All right, look. All right, the second song that stuck out to me was a fucking cl- if you know me if you if you knew me growing up you know you couldn't tell me shit about fucking Biggie like I was the I, I, I was a Biggie fan to my heart like he was better than, like I didn't listen to Pac my entire high school career because I was so much a big fan fan and arguing with niggas that I was like fuck Pac like <laughs> I, I didn't want to hear shit I went I back and I really still like Pac brought up either yeah so when they when I heard the Dale Phonics, yeah, hey love, uh huh, like I, I I hadn't even heard the original, I hadn't heard that Dale Phonics song, but when I heard that, I automatically thought, play your hands turn your head round, get on the ground, you've been robbed. And it took me to Robinson's. Like, it tied in so perfectly. But they didn't even have to play the beat. They played the Dale Phonics. And right. I just leaped right into it. Like, wait, it would have made it wait, play way more sense to play the Dale Phonics because this is from Cat Williams' perspective, man. Exactly. House. This is, you know, this is his vibe. It, yeah. But it still linked in to the. Because that song is about robbing a nigga. Like, they. Man, that's some fucking uh, Inception third level type ass metaphorical song for you. About that? No, it was the song about robbing people, or is it just the no? No, the, the Biggie song about. is about robbing people. But when you hear that Dale Phonics song, you automatically think of the Biggie song, and it's about it's about robbing niggas. <laughs> so I appreciated that. But what I want to ask you about, right. if you ain't got nothing to touch on about the uh, the Dale Phonics, uh, what, what's in it? Death, death claw, death murder, kill. Yes. Yeah, the, so, that shit was annoying as shit when they was playing in the car. <laughs> so it wasn't annoying as shit. One thing that I, I thought was, and that was my initial note, that I was like, wow, it's interesting that they went with death grips over bad brains. Because that's... Okay, so- for, right, real quick, for the listeners, we're talking about when uh, Ern asked uh, Darius to take him somewhere, and he gets in the car, and they're playing that rah, 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 that that shit. So I can't fine. get you. Yeah, it's experimental 
uh, progressive rock, kind of like you know, like heavy metal type stuff. Um, and and what it's tantamount to, what what it's similar to, is actually Run the Jewels. But Run the Jewels is way more lyrical because what they are, I've never really listened to Death Grips, but what they are is a duo out of Sacramento uh, from like early 2010. So it's not like a a real classic group, but uh, some some like insane clown posse type shit. Here, a whole bunch of shit I don't like. <laughs> well, no, I fuck with Run the Jewels. Let me take I, I definitely fuck with Run the Jewels. But, I mean, that's like what Darius... It's it's, it's kind of like how we always talked about, and this is how we can get into that. Um, how, you know, our boy, uh, side nigga Nixon's like Paperboy. Since you want but then there's Darius and then there's Ern. And like typically I'm like the Ern character and you're more like Darius. But it is it feels like I'm more like Darius because I've always been the one that's been to all all types of weird music. Like I immediately vibed off of that death grip shit. See, it did like don't confuse the song choice with taste. Cause I'm also that like I have remembered this shit like it was yesterday. Bro. Our nigga, our nigga, side nigga, nigga, he came over my house. He said, hey, I got something on the flow. Like, what up? Like, I'm, shit, what is whatever. Like, let's get it. So he called over, he called some girls or whatever. They come over to the crib. Um, I had just got off work. I'm like, fuck, I got to hop in the shower. So I hop in the shower. I get out the shower. They already there. And he's on my computer playing some shit. And it just happened to be Childish Gambino, but the early shit and clowning the shit out of me for a little, like, bro, what the fuck is this shit? Because he was doing some shit where he was rapping off a whole bunch of, like, classic rock songs and shit. Like, so he's playing that, and I'm like, nigga, that shit dope. <laughs> fuck you, feel like this shit. Like, I, I fuck with him. I download it. His entire catalog. Hey, this ain't my favorite. But uh, okay. yeah, go ahead. I mean, why is every? I, I mean, I understand it's relevant in the context of Atlanta, but every conversation about listening to music outside the box always leads to channel childish Gambino with you. Why? Yeah, I wouldn't say it does. <laughs> yes, it like, does. This nigga, was it does. this was an actual true story, like where. We were talking about listening to music outside of the box and being ridiculed for it, and it was right there. Like I'm like, bro, I remember that shit literally happened to me. It's two fucking hood rat ass bitches. The women wasn't shit. Like, like literally wasn't. Shit. I, I, I I would have never talked to them, but you on my couch, so hey, you here? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is true, man. Hey, keep going. So what were you saying? Bro, so, like, I said what I was going to say. So, like, I've always had that different, that, that that kind of wild streak when it comes to music. Like, I saw some Jimi Hendrix, uh, Red House, or whatever. Like, I, I James Brown. Like, people don't really fuck with James Brown. Like, I, I'll be at work and put on some James Brown and shit and be getting hype as hell and people be, uh, uh, burn that shit up, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, but, okay, Hadari, so here's the thing. 
I appreciate that, but there is no way in what you are saying are you remotely close to the level in which I experiment with music. You're talking when you said outside the box, you have mentioned nothing but Jimi Hendrix and James Brown, motherfucker. That's it. You ain't said nothing about no Lou Reed, nothing about no motherfucking Peter Frampton, nothing about no motherfucking Howlin' Wolf, nothing about Muddy Waters, like nothing about Chick Corea. I am the motherfucker that knows all about music and has been experimental about music, man. You've been staying in the box of, of what is outside of the lane of maybe black stuff, the mainstream black stuff. But it's still black stuff because all you said was Jimi Hendrix and James Brown. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, that, that's all I said. That's not an accurate representation. It is an like, it's just representation, but I don't want to have an argument. How, how about can you? That. How are you gonna say that? I know you. I'm saying that I'm, I know you. What are you, 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 I, you live in Houston. You don't know what I listen to on a day to day. I do. I, I have a very good idea. Uh, actually, bro, I, I do. I, I fuck. Don't tell nobody this, and if you do, I'm gonna deny it. But I fuck with Leonard Skinner, like I, I fuck with them. Just one song because you I, saw it on an Eight Mile movie. You saw it on the Eight Mile movie. What? Oh, what song was on Eight Mile? Sweet Home Alabama. No, I I kind of don't like that. It, no, no, not that. I, uh, what the? Free Bird is one of my favorite songs of all, all, all right. time. All right. Yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. But that's just but, one group. But I'm just saying, I know you're not it, trying it, to get you, you me. Go ahead, I, I know you're not. There are more groups, but go ahead. Do you listen to Bad Brains? Do you listen to Living Color? Do you listen to, you know what I'm saying, Charlie Parker? Well, I, 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 I listen to Simple Plan. I listen to uh, about the White Wondering what that was about. 
the probably I, I, I'm assuming like that's, and one, then, of, like, that's one of the they, cool they, things about the show is that it doesn't yeah. explain everything they just I love it. situations and then Ern he on his probation shit cause yeah they went to jail so that's probably nine times out of ten with it so he gotta go to he on probation and shit he going in there and they're like yeah you gotta take these classes you gotta take these drugs they charge you for all that shit he like if I just had the money, I wouldn't have to do none of this shit. And she says, but you don't. So don't go there. So basically, if you got the money, you don't got to deal with that bullshit. You go on with your life, but uh, you poor. You in the hood. No, nigga, come to these classes and give us more money for them. You know, Every time you piss in that cup, it costs this. You have to pay this much money. Really? Every time you got to pay for that? Yeah, they charge you for that shit. Damn. It's a it's a lot of people who got, let's say, a year of probation, and they do that year, but they still on probation because they haven't paid off those thousands of dollars that you got to pay. Like that, All that is, they want the money. And they're organically showing you, like, oh, fuck, I got caught up in this bullshit. I really, I'm not a bad person. I didn't do nothing wrong. I'm not trying to get in trouble, but... I was there, so now I'm going through this shit, and I'm homeless. <laughs> and it was the, they, the, they expressly said, if you don't do this, you go to jail. If you don't come up with this money, you go to jail. Robbing season. What you supposed to do? Right, exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, that speaks to a larger argument. That's Ferguson right there, what you explained. Yep. Of the fact that they were just tired of being oppressed by just constantly getting tickets and these tickets adding up to having to go to jail and then you got to pay fees to go to jail and then if you don't pay the fees, you got to go back to jail. So, yeah, that's that's a whole way that, you know, counties and cities and these local jurisdictions create revenue for themselves by taxing the under, you know, the minorities and the underprivileged and the poor with these bullshit legal fees. Yep. Yeah, like it's it's a it's a poor tax. Like you get a ticket for what? Let's let's say break your brake light out because you got in a car accident. It's like so some say somebody rear ends you. You would a red light. Somebody crashes in the back of your car. Police give you a ticket because you don't have a brake light. You got to get that fixed, nigga. If I had the money to get the fix, it would have been fixed. Right. Like so, you got that ticket for that. That you got to get fixed before you go to court. You can't get it fixed. You don't go to court. You like, fuck it. Now you got a warrant out for your arrest. Right, now you right. got a uh, fucking uh, suspended license. So next time you get stopped for a suspended license, they don't take you to jail and say, okay, you come to jail for this amount of time and do community service or work with us and do this and you get your license. No, we need that bread. If we ain't got that bread, I, you, I don't know what to tell you. Yo. So you back up. Wait, let me see. So you yeah, back yeah, out yeah. You still get. You still gotta go to work. You gotta go to work to get the money to pay them to get your shit together. How you gonna get there? Like you gotta drive. Like right. you might have kids you gotta pick up from school. Like if you rich, and and not even rich. If you're doing well enough to where you're not struggling and you have an extra three hundred dollars that you can throw on a ticket, you don't have those problems. Right. This. This system doesn't affect you the way it affects the people who live.
everywhere. But I was, yeah, what I, I have a story about that. So, you know, remember when I was up at Michigan State and I was about to graduate? Yes, sir. Oh, so I got a ticket because I didn't have my seatbelt on or some bullshit. And okay. then, like, I forgot about the ticket or never paid it. Next thing right. I know, I got a suspended license, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm on my way. I had got my job with Shell. I am on my way to drop my off, fax my offer letter off, bro, at Kinko's. Find that bitch that, hey, I'm being Houston, making 80-something dollars out this motherfucker, working at Shell. I drive to fucking Kinko's. In my in my fucking green Malibu, I get pulled over because they say, "Oh, it look you look." We heard that somebody robbed somebody in it. You fit that description, so they just pulled me over for that shit. I'm like, all right, I know it ain't me. I go to Michigan State. You see, I'm like to fucking go right. drop this shit off. I'm not robbing anybody, but I got a suspended license. Oh uh, yeah, and that's how they get you. Yeah, so. I'm in fucking cuffs in the back of the car. Instead of dropping my fucking offer letter off on cloud nine, about to get to the bread in H-Town, I'm in the back of a fucking squad car with handcuffs on. That nigga put me in the fucking, I don't know what to call that shit, the bullpen or some shit. I was in a fucking cage or some shit with cuffs on (laughs) right down the street from my campus that I had just pulled a fucking all-nighter at studying and shit. It's fucked up, man. But you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe you. Not, but have you ever thought about not fitting the description? Like, <laughs> maybe you should not do that. Right. You ever tried that? I'm gonna work on not fitting the description. That is great advice. Thank you. Why did I not think of that? I'm doing. I'm studying and shit. I'm doing all this hard work. Learning all these yeah. words and shit, studying these. That, that don't mean shit if you fit the description. All I gotta do is <laughs> just not fit the description. That is hey, uh, what the home run dude <laughs> name? Very uh, violent. Sammy Sosa's in it. Right. He never fit the description. Right. Yes. There it is. There's the answer right in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. I've been wondering, man. You just got to pull a Sosa on their ass. It's so <laughs> niggas are so sorry. with the cold. Yeah, how that shit go? That's shout out to Chief Keith, man. That nigga Sammy yeah. pulled that Sosa on your ass. Sosa on that ass. Yeah, man. Well, yeah, let's get back to it, man. But, oh, yeah, another thing I want to talk to about that scene that struck out to me was the, what, what, so what is that person's job? So, she was a parole officer, right? Uh, probation. Probation. Parole is when you go to prison. So probation is when you go. Okay, so, so the job description, is she like a lawyer or is it just like an administrator? No. She, she is criminal justice stuff, somebody? I, 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 you might not even need a fucking degree to do that shit. Basically, uh, when people get in trouble, they come to you every week and you check to make sure they didn't get arrested. If they get arrested, you put out a warrant for their arrest or you send something and have them put out a warrant. Like, you ain't really doing shit. <laughs> so, I mean, so, all right. So, with that being said, the, 
initial optics to me on that was she looked like this educated, woke, natural hair wearing black woman that's also my black brother, strong brother. But this mm-hmm. job has jaded her so much that she doesn't realize that she is just continuously beating her black strong brothers into the ground over this bureaucracy mm. and bullshit. Meanwhile, she up here reading Essence magazine and watching all the Tyler Perry movies and doing all that bullshit. <laughs> but meanwhile, she is, you know, like a lot of that bullshit is putting her black brothers in the ground, much like Bravo. Oh, you like you touched on something that I'm gonna expound upon a little bit. Like you said, her being there, she doesn't realize what she's doing. And that's a big thing with all, you know what, not not, not just that profession, any profession. If you are a probation officer, you're going to be dealing with a lot of motherfuckers who are continuously getting in trouble. So you're not going to look at an urn who's never been there before and blah, blah, blah. Like you, you gonna see just the same face that you've seen, who's been on probation for the fourth time, who's getting out of, who's a constant fuck up, and you're gonna get desensitized to the needs of somebody who's not that way and actually trying to do good. If you're a doctor, when you see somebody coming in with their arm bent in a ninety degree angle the wrong way, you're not gonna say. Oh my God! Like a normal person, what you used to that shit? You gonna be like, right. okay, fuck right. it, let's get him in here. Yeah, I can tell by how that's bent. We're gonna have to cut it off. It's not gonna be an emotional response. Like it's it's strictly logical. Like okay, the facts are this, so I have to do that. And even with police officers, that happens. Like that's why I believe that's why black police officers aren't really that much better than white police officers in some cases because they're in that system where they get a call to a house when people are at their worst. So every single day they deal with people at their, they deal with the worst people at their worst. Right. So yeah, you're going to get jaded and when you see me walking down the street, you're going to see that asshole that beats his wife or some shit like I get it. It's not okay. If you shoot me, you're wrong and deserve to fucking rot in prison. But I kind of get it. <laughs> I kind of get why you were shooting me. That's fucked up. That's a no. no I kind of uh, get. What, no, no. Wait, 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 Paul. I kind of get why why you're fucked up. Cause that's a fucked up mentality. Like I, I understand how you got that way. I'm not excusing it in the slightest. But. I understand how you got to that point. Do, do, do that make sense? Yeah, I mean, because basically you're saying you, you deal with a lot of people at their worst, and it's just muscle memory that you're going to start yeah. doing people that yeah. way and putting people in a box because you have to find quicker ways to process shit. Exactly. And let me clarify one more time. That's not okay. You can't shoot a Mike Brown or choke out a fucking... Uh, the nigga who was selling Lucy's or shooting Philando Castile. You can't do any of that. You are wrong. You have to be better. But I get how you're that. Like, I understand why you would 
shit, but I'm not excusing it at all. Like, it's wrong, but it, it's not like, um, a, like how could he do this? But no, I, I get how he could do that shit. But yeah, still put him in jail. I, I just mean, went off the deep end on that. I was not yeah, planning to. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I don't see like how he can in any way justify it just based on you signed up for a certain job and we should do a better job. If we're talking about police for a second. Um, okay. Let's get into it. I feel that a better job should be done of evaluating who should do the job and there should be better incentives around how to do the job. Incentives incentives should be, like especially if you're a neighborhood police, should be around customer service of the police, you know, like how the police are doing. Are they helping improve the community? Are they keeping the community safe? Not on how much crime they're able to find because it seems like police stat is based on how many people you arrest, how much revenue you generate based on tickets and things like that. So every interaction with the community is an adversarial one as opposed to this model of protecting and serving, which if it was about protecting and serving, then the metrics would be based on uh, not necessarily being less crime, not less crime being like we're finding more criminals, but that less bad stuff is happening and then that's feedback from the community that shit's going well. You know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, that that that's ideal, but in the real world, when you have actual people like you judge the uh, all right, the, let, let me rephrase that. So how would you uh, quantify the effects you have if you're just being a good police officer? How would you quantify that? Based on uh, you create metrics in the community around kids being in, you know, around. I don't know exactly, but I'm thinking in terms. <laughs> of, no, I mean, no, this is a serious question because I, you know, I'm. It is. I gave it a little and, uh, thought. Uh, I'm gonna give you an answer, a, a, a simple answer. You can't. Yes, you can. Because when shit's going good, there are no numbers for you to say that this many people didn't get killed. Like it, it it's not quantifiable. And we live yeah. in an analytics society, mm-hmm. like where, okay, you say you're doing this. What do the numbers say? Let me check what you're saying versus the numbers. And the numbers you have are arrest tickets. Like, you could sit at Burger King all day getting fucking free food and then go to Dunkin' Donuts and get free donuts and shit. That's a lazy cop. You don't have any numbers. This motherfucker wrote 15 tickets to grandmothers taking their kids to school. (laughs) He's working.
it where oh it your numbers don't matter it's about how you affect the community but that's not realistic for the society we live in like yeah. and this is the cynic in me coming right. out like i mean our, our society doesn't it doesn't produce that i want to I don't give a fuck about the numbers. I just want to be a good per. No, the numbers are the only thing that matters. So, but yeah, that's the yeah. only thing that can protect you when you. It's never gonna cover your ass. Yeah. So, all right, let's get back to uh, the the episode. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, well, let, let let's get right into fucking. We talk about police. Let's get into Cat Williams when he said, "I ain't gotta do shit."
back to the fucking episode, bro. So let's talk about let's talk about pop culture references, man. Up in this shit of like, cause it's one thing the show is is meant to do on some levels is it's it serves as a a voyeurism into the hood, as people would say, black black culture. culture. It's mm-hmm. the it's the smart kid that went to Yale, but he's actually from the hood. He's got these real problems with family and stuff like that, and he wants to stay true to family. So, with that, you know, they they talk about items and things like that that get stolen in pop culture. So I set all that up to talk about. Was that a fucking White Castle burger that they were eating when Darius offered that to earn? Oh, I'm not even sure. I think that was. I don't know. Yeah, I I beat that part. Yeah, it's a slider. That was. It might have been a slider. That was a slider. You know what I did, Pete? Though. What's up? I, I, on my second run through, I'm just looking, watching, you know, like seeing what I missed. They had a fucking strip of Tito's on the mantle next to a picture of Jackie Robinson. Yes, that's what I was like. That's what I picked up. That's what you said. Like, is that Jackie Robinson? <laughs> next to the Tito's. So I said, is that Tito's? You like, is that Jackie Robinson? Yes. Like, <laughs> you know this shit. You know this show is good as shit. When they got a fucking, and it didn't even look like it was a prop. It looked like a nigga just left that bitch up there by mistake. Right, that's just, they didn't like zoom it's in. They didn't stand across it. Up. It was just in the background. Like they, they was just sipping on that shit. <laughs> that's like that's paper boy drink Tito's in real life. <laughs> but, but do you refer to Tito's like as something like I didn't even know about anything about Tito's until I moved down here. Oh, it's really? Texas, yeah, it's a Texas-based vodka. Is it? Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. I know that shit up here. Like, Tito's? If I can yeah, see y'all shit. Think it, y'all think it is Tito Jackson and shit? <laughs> it's good, though. It's high it, quality. It, it's, it's high it, quality. It's, it's, it's high quality, but it's a step down from... Like, oh, yeah, it's only like $20, yeah. 20 Yeah, yeah, $24. For, like, if you just got some runners and you trying to get a you trying to get there but they not worth the Ciroc you get the Tito and, yeah. and you good with the Tito like it, it's not like nigga you got Tito it's, oh shit you got Tito <laughs> yeah Tito yeah it's uh so I didn't even I didn't pick that part up but yeah the flaming Hot Cheeto thing it was like that was a little lame like what what flavor is flaming Hot Cheetos Definitely take that's a real question. (laughs) That's a real question, but you know what that's about. What else else was it? You can't just say you know what that's about and then not get into that. What what you mean? Well, you know, talking about how like ramen noodles, how we made ramen noodles popular and things like that, how we make products, certain products popular, like they. Uh, they always follow what we like and stuff. It seems like we're always on like, oh, a test yeah. case for what blows up and what's popular. You know, we've been eating Flamin' Hot Cheetos. When that, like, Everybody want to be a nigga until it's time exactly. to be a nigga, in the exactly. words of Paul Moon. <laughs> so, so, you know, we have a society which they, they, they assert upon themselves a certain amount of blackness 
or 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 or, uh, or, or uh, I guess ownership of our culture because they like certain things about our culture. You know what I'm saying? And, and I would like I understand what you're saying, but I saw it differently. Like I'm looking at it like niggas eat flaming hot Cheetos the same way where you were saying this surreal the level of violence and they're playing FIFA like this dude's from Yale and he's fucking this intelligent and uh, he don't really have his life together but yeah the nigga eat flaming hot Cheetos cause niggas eat flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> but I see how somebody outside of the culture will look at that and Flaming Hot Cheetos will be the next it thing for them, but it's a staple in our culture, and he's not he's not portraying something to like. It's it's no falsehood in his show. It's no falsehood in his portrayal of our culture. He's just giving our culture. He's exposing his soul to everybody, and they're gonna come and pick and choose. But nigga, you. Everybody eats flaming hot cheetos. That's a thing with us, yeah. and now yeah. they're just gonna see it. So I don't see it as like it being surreal. It's just more of him giving uh, uh, more layers to that to to flaming hot cheetos. I guess like <laughs> yeah, I went to Yale and I fucking um I know how to move in a room full of suits, but I go to the gas station. I buy flaming hot cheetos too. Just like everybody else. Like, we all the same type shit. Like, it's mud shit. I mean, I, I didn't look at it as any sort of a pejorative, if you will, or any type of negative thing. Okay. At all, nigga. You know, me, hood nigga, hot Cheeto, what I snack on. But, you know what? What I've been on is these, they call it Takis. They're like, I, I even hotter with, with, with lime on yeah. You want to know why, how I got on Takis? I went to a goddamn future concert, <laughs> and they was giving them bitches out when I was leaving. <laughs> I think these bitches might have lean in them, man. <laughs> I think that's how you got me. I'm to these bitches, man. I think that's how you got me, man. I, think that's how I knew they was going to get you. I knew it. <laughs> I think that's how they got me. They put the lean in the tackies, nigga. <laughs> Oh shit! All right, let, let, let's get the cat Williams though, man. Cause yeah, he showed his ass in this I bitch. Like it, he is going to. Like I told you, I remember as soon as I watched this episode, I called you. I told you, man, this nigga is hitting his second win in Hollywood, man. It was a ten minute spot on the show. Don't, 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 on the don't, fucking hottest show on TV of a nigga that's the next nigga, the nigga that's already won an Emmy for best. Fucking actor, the first ever motherfucker. So this isn't just any show. He didn't just do a guest spot on Homeboys from Outer Space. It's basically as if motherfucking um, let me think of somebody like like if Richard Pryor did a set did, did a did ten minutes on Bill Cosby on his opening night with everybody anticipating it. Oh, okay, okay. Is, so you so you saying like uh, Cat Williams is Richard Pryor then? Hell yeah. Fuck you. Hell yeah. Fuck you. Hell yeah. That's not exactly hey. what I was saying. Hey, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, pause. One second. One second. Hey. Fuck 
you. I knew you knew it was coming, but fuck you for saying Cat Williams is don't don't even mention him in the same breath as Richard. In the same paragraph as Richard fucking Pryor. He's not oh, there yet. No, no, I'm not even gonna say yet. He's he'll never be there. No. He he's not he's not that. Crazy. You are fucking crazy. But that's not even what I was saying. That's I was saying really- no, man, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Let me blow my nose real okay. quick. Uh, you could have did that shit when you was, you didn't have to sit down to blow your nose, man. Hey, man, quit being a bitch. No, the, the listeners don't want to hear that shit. You fucking disgusting. Fucking caveman ass nigga. <laughs> caveman ass nigga. I get that a lot down here. It's weird. But anyway, um, what I was saying is... You're saying, oh, he just did 10 minutes on a show. What I was saying is I was giving you an an analogy that this was the same as if a comedian, just like Richard Pryor, nigga, that's all I'm saying, just a comedian, did a guest spot on Bill Cosby on the Cosby show on a premiere night after it it, it had its best year where all the eyes was focused on the show. Like, this nigga just won Emmys and shit for this show, man. There was a lot of eyes on that show, and Cat Williams was on it, and he killed it. So this was way more than this nigga being on like homeboys from outer space or something. Okay, okay. So, so let me give let, let me give give you the more accurate real life analogy to what this would be. This would be like if Earthquake played Bruh Man on Martin. That's what this was. All right. <laughs> Turned out being on the show, so I mean, yeah, I totally get that. 
But look, when you think about it, though, he was doing that since the first season. He had uh, he had the Migos on there, just a cameo. Then he had uh, he had Justin Bieber on the show. He was pissing in the bucket and shit, huh? He had the real Justin Bieber on the show. Yeah, Justin Bieber. Yeah, the black Justin Bieber, though. Oh, white Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like I was saying, he he played that role real well, man. It reminded me of like my uncle Cornelius, guy rest his soul, man. And and another interesting thing that you know picked up on like the family dynamic. So it was played as if um, Alfred um, was so Alfred gave Cat Williams the house, right? Yeah. But Alfred is actually the nephew of Ern's father, not Ern's mom, because when they first remember when when Ern when uh when uh Alf, when uh Paperboy went and talked to Ern's pops, he he didn't even talk to uh, Ern's mom, so it's clear that it's like yeah. that's his cousin on his mom's side. Right. I mean, on his dad's side. On father, yeah, yeah. On father's side, but then you go to Cat Williams. That's his um, uncle on his mom's side. Oh, okay. Well, I, I thought that was odd. Uh, like, it's family shit. Be close. Like, I, shit, no, my, my, neither side of my family is that close. <laughs> that, like, they would be, you know, cousins and all that stuff doing shit for other sides like that. But they work together. Are you talking about what uh, Ern was doing for um, Paperboy? No, I'm talking about how uh, Cat Williams is staying at one of uh, Paperboy's houses. But that might be some shit like, it, it was more to it than just, okay, let's go help him out because he's in tr- It was, this shit's going to look bad on me. It's my house. No, that's not the point that I'm saying. It's like, how do how do they even have a relationship? Is what I'm saying. With his uncle? That's not his uncle. Where you said that was his uncle on his mom's side. That's what I thought you said. Yeah, that's Er's uncle on his mom's side, but it's not Paperboy's uncle. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that's what. I'm no, saying. no, that that can't be right. That 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 was because yeah, he called him to go over there and shit. Like, that, no, that that's got to be his uncle. That doesn't have to be, be his uncle. That doesn't have to be his uncle. That could just be that's Ern's uncle. But the way it looked, it didn't look like that was his uncle. Because I don't like see him being in that house. He's not related by blood. Like I know, it, I know. That's what I'm just saying. When I, from what I assume, from what I saw from from uh, other, uh, you know, episodes and stuff, right. uh, those were the uh, dynamics of the, uh, you know, of the family and shit. So. Damn. So yeah, you might uh you might have poked a plot hole in it. Congratulations, you poking Pokemon. motherfucker. Pokemon. You just can't let black people be great, huh? Pokemon. Call me the Pokemon. <laughs> That's what we do here. We mind and we mind the culture. We mind and we mind the culture. You dug too deep, motherfucker. I I I, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> We mind, then we mind. There we go. So what else do we want to talk about in this episode? Mm, let me look at my notes. Um, ooh, yeah. Big thing that fucking 
the, the, I felt it when he said it. What's that? When he was the cat, we were in his house. They were talking like, and he was like, "What are you stupid?" And he was all he was saying, "Oh, like." What the what the fuck? What what a cat wearing fella? He was like, Who are you to be talking to me? Blah blah blah. And he said, Nigga, I'm afraid of turning into you. I don't wanna be you, the dude who everybody knew was smart, but just let stuff happen to him. Like right. that shit, like I felt that shit. But what I felt what Cat Williams said even more, like I felt that like on some real shit. Like I felt that was that wasn't earned. That was Donald Glover talking. You know what I'm saying? Like Cat Williams said, you gotta get that chip. You can't go around with the chip on your shoulder because it's not gonna do nothing but hold you back. And like when he said that, I just started thinking about all the shit that fucking Donald Glover had to go through. Like I'm thinking chip on the shoulder. Why would he have a chip on the shoulder? Mm-hmm. Number one, the first thing that popped in my head was racism. Like he wrote for uh, Thirty Rock way back before he was on Community, and I just read an article where they were quoting people in the face saying, "Oh yeah, he was an amazing talent, but the main reason I hired him was because he was basically free." Because of, uh, she didn't say affirmative action programs. She worded it differently, but it broke down to affirmative action programs. Oh, that's what you were saying. That's what you meant when you said that. Yeah. Like, how you come into a situation like that and still, and, and, well, not feel some type of way, but how do you not feel some type of way when you come into that situation? Yeah, what did you say? And then, like, he was on, when he left, uh, he was writing for 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. He was twin in his twenties, the youngest fucking nigga ever, writing for Thirty Rock. He left it, and I I get it now that I know this, but still, that's a good ass job. Why would you leave it? He went to act on Community, right? And what did he run into? More Chevy, fucking racist. Chevy Chase, old racist ass, clinging irrelevancy. Chevy Chase. And they were like, I, I was listening to an interview with Joel McKinnon. That was the uh, the main white dude on the show. Like, he was on Talk Soup and shit. And even he was saying, like, yeah, Chevy Chase was hard on Donald. Like, we all saw that. Like, as soon as we met him, we knew he was going to be great. We'd be sitting around and he'd be working on music, just nodding his head in the corner and shit. And we'd be like, what is this? Five years later, he's childish Gambino. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they knew it. They saw it back then. But Chevy Chase saw it, but was hating on it. He was threatened by it because he's an old white man. You know, what what can I say? Mm -hmm. And, like, Donald Glover's response to it, though, like, that shit gave me life. He didn't go. I'm looking for that. I thought you sent that to me. No, I I ain't sent it, but, like, I read it. So, he, he was saying that he understood where that fucking hatred and fucking racism was coming from. He was saying, it's not coming from a place of hate. It's coming from a place of desperation. Yeah, yes. He's an actor. He, he he was damn near a legend in his own right, but he's in the twilight of his career, and 
he doesn't recognize it. He thinks he can still be out. He doesn't recognize this is his last hurrah. So he's trying to cling on desperately. He was saying he sees a human being inside all that hatred. Like he sees a human being who's drowning and needs help. (laughs) And I'm like, that nigga is so much better than me because I wouldn't have shit to say, but fuck that nigga. Man, that's that's that empathy, man. That's what that is. Yeah, I, I, I don't have. That's that playing it right. <laughs> you know, cause yeah. playing it right, cause that nigga over there is white, and no matter what you see in sight, you know what? the motherfucker's got a whole lot of might. And and that goes back to what Cat Williams said. You can't walk around with that chip on your shoulder, cause it will hold you back. And he is living proof. Tell me about this chip on the shoulder. What are you talking about? Uh, you you can't hold like the the Tina Fey shit, the Chevy Chase. You can't walk around like, oh, they just didn't doing this, or oh, cause I'm black and blah blah. You you can't walk around like being upset that the world is racist, cause if you being aggressive towards them because they're racist, it's it's not gonna help you. Right. You can tell them about themselves. But that's not gonna help your career. It's gonna hold your career back. And he's going the opposite way. He's taking the enlightened approach. He's saying, oh no, he's hurting, and I see why he's giving me this hatred. Right. And I understand it. He needs help. Right. As opposed to fuck that nigga. He's a bigot. And I hope he get raped by a pack of niggers. Niggers. <laughs> Oh, wow. I was going to say. What? You didn't know that? No, I did not know that. He said that to his girlfriend. He said, I hope you get raped by a pack of niggas. A pack. Oh, wait, wait. Switching back to the original thing. The one way he lets his... the, The little bit of shit that bothers him slip out is through his music. He is a fucking... Liner on track. <laughs> he always talk about how Charlemagne's hating on him and how uh, he got the same fucking uh, audience as Chance, but they don't give him that shine. And I still enjoy it because it's so honest and raw, but that's where he gets that shit out. And it kind of helps him because he's not doing it with his acting. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not on, on set going off. He'll just funnel that into his music and it gives you a further, well, a, a better picture of him as a person, which works on so many different levels. Cool. So, I mean, I, you know, more fanboyism of, of Challenge Gambino <laughs> by Louis Newton. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> more fanboyism for you. You're going to get a lot of that here on Anthropology from this show. <laughs> You acting like you don't like Atlanta, though, man. I do like Atlanta, but you keep diverging the conversation to Childish Gambino. This is supposed to be an episode recap about the episode Atlanta, and you keep. You know they're the same person, right? No. Did you know that? Not the same. They're the same person. We're talking about we. Let's see. This is where we're having a fundamental difference that we need to establish right now, man. The show's about Atlanta, not about Childish Gambino. 
I'm talking about the creator of the show, the no, writer about of the, the show. Of the show. We're talking about the show. And not Bro, uh, if you're gonna talk about the creator of the show, you gotta talk about the creator of the show as you're talking about the show, not other shit he's doing. That doesn't matter because that takes us way off the topic. We gotta talk about the show. Because we already at an hour and eight minutes, man. And we're done. That, that was the last shit. Alright, I, I didn't think we were done. I thought there was some... What else was there? There was some other shit I wanted to cover. Like, oh yeah. Going down my list. Alright, like Robin Season. Um, so, back to my point about the flaming Hot Cheetos and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm thinking about Robin Season, I'm not necessarily thinking about Robin in the hood. I'm thinking about Robin Season about them taking the culture and running with it and making tons of money off as Robin sees about seeing something okay. that works, something that's hot that they had nothing to do with and coming in trying to take their claims on it. Like like Tammy Roman thinking she's about to get black fans by sitting up here saying I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight M's in my bank account on Snapchat. I don't know who that is. You know who Tommy Lauren is. Oh, Tom! Oh, she did that shit. Yes. <laughs> the white girl. Oh. Yeah, thinking she was about to get in grace, get into the graces of black people. Thought she was gonna be on wild. No, it's a rap on that, man. That, that can't be real. That can't be like. Yeah. That 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 fucking respect. <laughs> that reaction was classic. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Like, I, I did that, that shit just kind of blew my mind on some real shit. I, what? <laughs> she did that? Like, you're not even allowed to listen to rap music. What the fuck? Well, you want to know what happened? How she was able to listen to rap music? Go, sh- no, don't say Charlamagne. I no, fuck with Charlamagne. No, no, no. Okay, go, go ahead. She went to Jared's. <laughs> you don't know who Jared is? Who is Jared? Jared is that black guy that is so quick to give away all his secrets to a white woman. Usually, well, uh, if any, any any black guy with a name Jay is always going to be with a white woman, and he's always going to give him game about black culture and shit. Either it's going to be a Jerome or a Jerome or a or a JJ. In this case. <laughs> we laid the episode, so here comes the slander. The drinks have been poured and sipped. It's Jared. So anytime you see a white girl, it's like, how she probably the fuck she know how to do the Dougie? She Jared. <laughs> how the fuck? Yeah, you, 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 you're probably on your second and a half Zima, so like we're going to get some slander going. <laughs> Shit, man. How the fuck she learned how to twerk? She went to Jared's. <laughs> how the fuck she learned how to make that fried chicken? She went to Jared's. <laughs> why she got her hairstyle? Why she got her hair looking like that? Like you know how the, how the white girls be having their hair in that swooping shit? You know, yeah, with the braids and shit. Oh, with the braids. I don't know about the braids, but a little short haircut with that swoop. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the baby mama special. <laughs> Why she got her hair looking like that? She's going to Jared's. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, man. So that, that, 
that that concludes our, our recap of the first episode. Stay tuned to more more episodes, more heat coming out about this Atlanta episode. We think this is pure gold. Donald Glover, you're a genius for this one, my nigga. Great stuff. Keep it coming. What you got to say, nigga? No, you, you fucking... Just, just, let me second that, man. This shit is fucking... It, it, it's fire. It's, it's not much more to say. Like, it's it's black Seinfeld. We don't have these type of shows that especially not comedies that dig as deep as these. Like, we have black comedies, but everybody's uh, uh, a a archetype. Like, we don't have the the opportunities to dig deep into what's beyond the surface and giving us that, and I appreciate it. And it's so well-written, well-acted, and well-directed. And I, I can't wait to see what's to come. Like, and I hope y'all stay with us through the whole thing, cause we're going, we going hard on every episode.